Hello, everybody. Welcome to the OCCTO's podcast. I'm Marco, your host, and my guest today is Ben Johnson, the CTO over at Obsidian Security. Welcome, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's fun. It looks fun. Where are you hanging out? I like your uh, background. <laughs> well, the ba- the background is just a picture I took of uh, you know CDM Beach, but uh, our office is right here in Newport, in uh, right by uh, Fashion Island. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible place. <laughs> yeah, these tech companies, man. Well, glad to have you on the show. I'm, I'm glad to. Yeah, I was just you. gonna say, really, really, my office is 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 my garage, right? With with 2020 and uh, work from anywhere now, and and you know, trying to be safe. My my office is is typically my garage. I'm actually in the office today because they were digging up the street and doing all sorts of crazy stuff because we don't have enough going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're we're here yeah. in Newport. Spice things up, right? <laughs> Yeah, where where are you from, Ben? Uh, I actually grew up in Vermont, so uh, opposite corner of the country, and uh, spent a lot of time in D.C. and then Chicago, and then you know I guess kept moving west, and now I surf and have a Tesla and do all the California things. So my wife <laughs> makes fun of me because I grew up like a lumberjack, chopping wood and going in the forest, and and you know heating our house with fires and stuff, and and now I'm surfing and you know living the beach life. So. You, know, you reach a certain point in your life where you have to, you know, hit the hit the board and <laughs> go to electric. So, yeah, cool. So, uh, I mean, tell us about yourself, Ben. I mean, you probably listen to some of these episodes, and usually, uh, you know, we really enjoy hearing these, you know, stories and how you, you know, came to where you're at and kind of your background. So, I'd love to hear more about, you know, your background and you know what you've been up to. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. I guess I'll start at the kind of at the beginning and just tell me if I'm going too long. I I, I don't think I usually do. But um, growing up in a very rural environment, actually on top of a mountain in Vermont where it's either trees or snow or whatever, uh, it was fantastic, but we didn't really have TV. And so one of the things that I did was really get into computers. And, And, you know, we had a phone line and it was kind of the time AOL and ISP starting to come out. And and, uh, you know, I was always kind of from Commodore 64 sort of on, uh, I was interested in computers and software programming technology, but I think it was really the fact that I didn't have a lot of TV to watch. So I would just dive into the online communities. I would write code or learn and experiment and, and that kind of thing. And so by the time I went to college, I already knew I was going to major in computer science. Uh, and so I went to university of Chicago, majored in computer science, uh, saw the movie Enemy of the State with Will Smith and Gene Hackman and immediately applied to the NSA. And then I went to the NSA and worked there, did a polygraph, did all sorts of crazy interview questions and all this other stuff. They couldn't really tell me what I would be doing. So it's kind of weird. It's like, well, can you at least give me some sort of sense of what I'd be doing? Uh, but uh, yeah, it was awesome. Lived in the DC area for several years and did all sorts of cool uh, cybersecurity work. That's really where I got into cybersecurity, my love of cybersecurity, and, uh, and, and, and did some fun stuff there. I can always talk about that later in the show if, uh, if that sparks interest. Most people have a lot of curiosity around that. And then um, Miss Chicago and uh, uh, moved back there. That's where I had met my wife and so um, ended up working in the financial world, writing code for traders, like high-speed calculation engines and that kind of thing. So it was very different than the cybersecurity world, uh, but it really 
sharpened, I think, my software engineering skills and just understanding very distributed, high-speed, uh, you know, frameworks and, and, and algorithms and that kind of thing. Uh, but then I ended up missing the security world. So then I went back to the security world. And in doing so, uh, my friend and I ended up starting a company called Carbon Black, which was like next generation antivirus kind of software. Uh, and uh, we saw that go from nothing to uh, about 800 people in 2017, from, from about 2010, 2017. Uh, and I decided that 800 people was big enough. And so I wanted to go do it again and uh, came to Newport Beach where I met, you know, uh, my, my co-founders, Glenn Chisholm and Matt Wolf. And we decided to start Obsidian Security where I'm the CTO here. I was the CTO at, at Carbon Black as well. And uh, here we're focused on SaaS security. So focusing on your Dropbox, your Box, your Salesforce, your Office 365, all these applications that are critical, but maybe don't really have security monitoring and that kind of thing. So uh, that's where we're trying to do here. I can go through any of that, but really I've had to be a coder. I've had to lead teams. I've had to be an evangelist where I go out and speak all over the world. Uh, I've had to do just kind of all sorts of things. And uh, most CTOs know, like you wear about 20 hats. I think today I've pitched a customer. I've done some marketing events. I've looked at some code. I've done some security meetings. Uh, and now I'm doing this podcast, probably about five other things too. So um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun and, uh, you know, happy to talk about more. But, uh, you know, my journey is, you know, pretty, pretty, I, I would say maybe typical, but, you know, pretty typical journey of kind of software engineer to continuing to grow and gain experience and then go into a role where you have to, you know, worry about budgets and teams and, you know, business and all the other stuff. So, so that's me. You're joining the dark side, huh? Yeah. So Carbon Black, is that a, a VMware company now? Yeah, so uh, so it went public after I left and then it uh, was bought by VMware and uh, they seem to be doing great. Uh, you know, now it's part of a massive organization. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're doing well. And then Glenn and Matt, uh, my, my co-founders here, came from Silence, and we were big competitors, actually, which is kind of a funny story. And then Silence became part of BlackBerry. So uh, so everyone's changing. But yeah, now we're we're doing the journey here at Obsidian. We're about 50 people here in Newport. Yep. I remember seeing the, the building right off of the spectrum there. No longer uh, Silence. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Great story. Thank you. That's a, that's a great story. Actually, I uh, I didn't know all the details, so that's a pretty cool story. Um, all right. So, what's going on at Obsidian? What are you guys up to? What are you solving? Tell me about um, you know kind of what you're up to there. What's fun? Well, what's fun is a is a loaded question, but yeah, we're 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 really a technology company, right? I mean, everyone sees us as a cybersecurity company, but most of the people who work here are technologists like software engineers, data scientists, et cetera. Yeah, we have security experts. Uh, however, we're really trying to build technology to enable cybersecurity teams to use our technology to defend their environment, right? And so we focus on SaaS, you know, SaaS applications. So Office 365, G Suite, you know, Zoom, all these others that security teams quite frankly, have never had good monitoring, good security visibility into. And and we saw that as a gap. And so we've really gone hard at that. And so now we're out there, you know, trying to build great product and sell it and, and security teams use it to, you know, find compromised accounts, look for insider threats, look for data leaks, you know, all that. And then if you go beneath the surface, you know, we're trying to, to run a SaaS product. We're trying to, you know, build interesting features into it. We're trying to iterate. We're trying to deal with customer feature requests or bug reports. And we're trying to, you know, grow people as a team and, you know, grow the team itself. So 
you say what's fun. I think, I think all of it's fun, but, uh, you know, we got a lot of this going on and, and as, as we're at 50 people, it's a very tricky stage because you have so much going on. I mean, we have awesome customers. We have lots of new potential customers. We have, you know, 50 people is more than just like five <laughs> where you can just sit in a room. Uh, however, we're not hundreds of people where you have all sorts of, you know, help and layers of management and all these other things that help create order in the chaos. So we're kind of stretching the limits of chaos about to, I think, put a little bit more structure in place. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So tell me about how you, how you go about product development. What is your approach to, because usually, uh, you know, a, a good portion of the cybersecurity world has to do with services and consulting and uh, just kind of the, the, you know, forming it all. Uh, you guys have, have, uh, produced a, an actual product it's it's an actual living breathing product how do you how do you go about it what is your angle you know tell me about that yeah i mean i i don't think there's an exact formula i do think there are some things you can think about that that really help the process but but in reality it all comes back to to a couple things i think the first is is really what do you want to build what do you want to craft you can't just go solicit a bunch of opinions and and try to create a product out of that like you really have to have some sense of what you're trying to build and i think you know our our early team we have had operational security experience like you know doing offensive or defensive you know types of cyber cybersecurity um and so we have firsthand knowledge of what we would like to use in defense or what we would not want to go against in offense, right? Like I, I, you know, if I was going to red team somebody and try to break in, I would not want them to have a tool like this, right? So you start to have some ideas, but then you combine that with, with customer feedback, with, with product feedback, where you just try to go out and get as much feedback as possible and really become this like intelligence engine that's can, converting all these customer conversations, these partnerships, et cetera, to try to learn like, what do people like? What do they don't like? Whether it's at the story level or the, the actual like hands-on feature and, you know, product usability level. Um, and then you, you combine that with just internal, you know, kind of roadmaps and, and vision and, and internal users. Like we have security experts at Obsidian who are trying to build detection rules and stuff, but they're also looking at the product of, hey, I used to defend this major company and now I work at Obsidian. So I have an experience like, would this have helped me, you know, at my company? So it's, it's kind of all of this coming together. And then, you know, as you grow, the challenges become prioritization because every customer wants a slightly different feature. So uh, happy to talk about any of this stuff more, but yeah, it's it's really like having a vision and, and executing against it and then trying to refine that through gathering as much intelligence from the market as possible. So, so what is uh, uh, Obsidian's approach to the human aspect of, of cybersecurity, the, the human error element, the um, psychology of it all? Is that something that you guys follow and analyze and, and you kind of build into your products as well? Yeah, so, you know, I think, a lot of what we think about is employees or people because we're looking at, as I mentioned, these SaaS applications. So there's no like binary or there's no operating system. It's just user accounts. So we're looking at user behavior. We're looking at who's logging in. Where are they logging in from? Is this normal? What are they sharing? Should they you know, be sharing this? So we're not necessarily like a like a security training solution or something like that. But we are trying to think about, you know, the people in the, the customer base in the organization, um, what may or may not be legitimate. Uh, and then as an analyst that might be using our product, what, what do you want to see? What workflows, what's going to help you, what's going to hinder you, uh, what's going to overload you and that kind of thing. So 
we're trying to take all this into account um, and then really try to figure out what's useful in the product and what's not from seeing how people are, you know, kind of interacting with it and what alerts are useful and things like that. So it's, it, it really comes down to this continuing learning cycle. Gotcha. Okay. So let's, let's maybe shift the conversation over. Tell me about your engineering team. What does that look like? Um, you know, how large is your team and just overall, you know, what's your, you know, what's your structure? What do you guys look like? Yeah, we, uh, we, we have, you know, I think we do a lot for not having the biggest team. We do have about 30 people who are uh, contributing really on the, you know, kind of engineering or data science or, or sort of DevOps or security research, but all within the, the development part of our organization. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you, you try to hire people that are quite, uh, quite good in a more general sense to start with because everyone has to wear multiple hats and then you start to get some specialists, right? Like there are some truly like, you know, DevOps slash SRE, you know, people who are really good at like the infrastructure and AWS and, you know, that kind of thing. And then there are some really smart data scientists who maybe they're writing code and doing some engineering as well because we're all wearing multiple hats, but they're here because they have that data science mindset or same with security researchers and stuff, right? So what we've done is we've tried to build a really great team where everyone can can kind of play multiple roles you do have your strengths versus your weaknesses uh, and then as we grow i think what we'll do is we'll, we'll implement a little bit more structure figure out what sort of specialists we need and then probably continue to add some more generalists uh, and then of course people as they are here for years you might want to change your role a little bit or move into the more kind of management track or the maker to stay in the maker track and things like that so uh, all in all we're pretty flat organization right now and, um, you know, I think the two biggest pieces are the data science and the kind of straight up software engineering part of the organization. But within that, there are the kind of back end, front end, you know, data platform engineering versus data science, security research, that kind of thing. So it's it's a it's a pretty uh, evolving, fluid organization. But it's, uh, you know, it's just a lot of great people who have some flexibility and can help in even if it's not quite what they were hired for. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's fair. Um, uh, 2020 has shaken engineering organizations to the core and I'm probably not going to ask you anything new, but uh, the angle I maybe want to touch on is uh, how are you keeping your engineers motivated, right? Um, there's the, the whole uh, team morale aspect of things, you know, the water cooler conversation is no longer there. The town halls, you know, the, uh, pizza and drinks after work is not a luxury that we have access to. So from an engineering, uh, you know, executive management perspective, how are you approaching that? And, and, you know, what are some of the results you've uh, yielded? Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's a great question. So thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you'd probably have to ask them <laughs> how they're being motivated. Uh, I'll tell you a few things That's though. Um, I think, I think, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out what's the best way to engage each other, uh, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's as a company. Uh, I think we're all completely sick of Zoom or, you know, video meetings and stuff like that. However, we do want that human connection. And I think that's the number one thing we miss is just the grabbing a beer after work or whatever, or the lunchtime, you know, lunchtime banter and, you know, stuff like that. So we're trying to figure out how to kind of keep that or at least reintroduce that what we have tried to do is have more frequent 
like all hands meetings where we're given maybe more business updates and, you know, things like that, that a lot of the engineers and, and technical staff are at Obsidian because they want to be at a small company where they're closer to the customer, closer to the sales team, you know, just learning so much about business and, you know, all these things that maybe you'd never hear about if you're at a tech giant kind of thing. Uh, and so I, I do think that a lot of the, the technical team gets enjoyment out of seeing a wind flash because a customer signed up or, you know, hearing why this trial is going really well or what, what we need to work on or things like that, more of the, you know, sort of product feedback or, or customer feedback. So, so there's a lot of just kind of keeping people engaged. And then, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've tried to set up some simple things like, like there's this uh, Slack app called Donut that randomly pairs you with another person every week or every two weeks. So you randomly have a conversation and we try to encourage it to be not about work. Just talk about Anything else? I mean, you can talk about work if you want. Uh, so things like that. But, you know, all in all, I, I think it is a challenge. And I think we need to continue to figure out ways to do more. Uh, and the way you do more is challenging because you don't want to just say, hey, jump on this Zoom, you know, jump on this Zoom because like <laughs> we're tired of it. We do have Friday evening virtual happy hours, which are great. But I think we're all getting tired of yet another Zoom meeting. But, you know, that has been kind of nice getting sales and engineering, kind of mixing it up and, you know, grabbing a, a scotch or a beer or wine or whatever. And then uh, just, yeah, trying to trying to make sure we're checking in and having one-on-ones and make sure people are, you know, taking a break, going for a walk, posting a picture of that beautiful sunset or whatever, you know, just kind of random things that are not nothing special, but they help, like they help us keep us connected and help us, help us, uh, you know, stay, stay as a team. So I guess I don't have a great answer other than I think we're trying to just make sure people are engaged, checking in on each other. We make the joke that the introverts actually need to check on their extrovert friends because the extroverts are the ones really suffering right now. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're doing what we can and we'll continue to, you know, evolve as the year goes. And I'm sure, you know, we'll still be in this position come, come at least early 2021. Yeah. And to be fair, Ben, I don't think any tech company has found the right formula out there. It's just so bizarre. Um, uh, on the topic of introverts versus extroverts, uh, I, I hear quite often that um, you know, exposing engineers to the business context has obviously a great value. I'd just like to hear from you, you know, what are some techniques? What is your approach? How do you, you know, build up that appetite? Um, you know, engineers usually want to look at, you know, the complexity of things, problem solving, uh, you know, just that aspect while um, maybe not necessarily that connected to the business. Just what is your approach? Yeah, I think, I think to your point, some engineers or some technical staff, they just want to solve the technical problems. Uh, but I think at Obsidian, most of us uh, who are, have a more technical background uh, do care, like do want to hear about what's going on. And I think a lot of it comes back to, hey, is what I'm working on going to help the business? Or is it going to help even more than the business? Is it going to add value to the customer? Is it going to save that customer time? Is it going to detect, you know, a malicious attack in their environment or, you know, whatever it is. And I do think we have the advantage or a advantage at Obsidian that we're working in a field like cybersecurity, where there's truly a bad guy, like there is truly an adversary. And I think a lot of people who come to us, they're excited about the field because they do want to, you know, have an impact and stopping a, you know, a cyber attack or, you know, detecting data leak before it's really a, you know, front page headline or things like that do truly 
give people a sense of pride and, and kind of purpose. So, you know, I think just making sure we try to communicate as much as possible, the good, bad, and the ugly. And, you know, I'm sure we could do a better job uh, on all of those, but, you know, really talking about like, who are we meeting with this week for a customer? Who are we meeting with a partner? You know, trying to provide a lot of quotes that, you know, we're hearing um, and, you know, like, Hey, here's this account. We just saw log in from 81 different countries. That's the, that's obviously malicious and, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and just trying to people keep people engaged and, and sort of cl- as close to the customer as possible, knowing that you can't just have all the engineers hop on like every customer call or something like that. So I think of a lot of it's just, just sharing information and then trying to find the people who want a little more to maybe like try to rope them in a little bit more to the, you know, to, to uh, a customer support request or something like that. That makes a lot of sense. That sense of driving, that sense of belonging, sense of ownership. That's, that's really um, also um, a sense in retention. Uh, but we won't talk about that now. Uh, tell me, how, how, uh, Ben, how are you introducing innovation to, to the Obsidian platform and to your organization? Yeah, so, you know, I think innovation is, is such an amazing topic, an amazing thing. You know, we're we're still in the earlier part of our of our journey. Uh, you know, we're about three and a half years old, fifty people. So there's still a lot of fast moving pieces, a lot of problems to solve, features to add, etc. So I think by default we 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 kind of just innovate. Now, innovation is a very overloaded word. It could mean many different things. Um, and I think as a company, we're trying to create an innovative product or build basically a new market that's out there. Uh, and so I think just in general, we're trying to attack a space that's that's basically new, you know, Greenfield or Blue Ocean or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so I, I do think just in general, everyone's excited that we're building something that's not really out there. And there isn't, you know, it's not just a copy of someone else. Now in the more day to day or week to week, it might not necessarily feel like innovation to everybody. Now, sometimes it does. It's like, hey, here's some really cutting edge detection rule or some cool analytic or some cool visualization or something like that. Um, but, you know, it is, you know, you have to take these small steps on the way to get to this, you know, kind of cool future state. So I think a lot of it boils down to we try to celebrate the wins, like call out the wins, and quite frankly, I need to do a better job of this. I've been so slammed. <laughs> I haven't been doing this as well. But we need to call out, like, here's all the cool things that happened last week. It doesn't have to be like a sales win, but just all the cool things we did just to remind people, like, here's how much happened in a week. Just a week, all this stuff happened. And then here's all the operational inefficiencies, gaps, problems, breakdowns, all these other things. And so you're constantly trying to improve process, trying to improve communication, trying to improve teamwork. And you're doing it in a sense of building something that's not out there that no one else has now. So I think it's like the combination of all this stuff that that really helps drive innovation. But it really comes down to like giving people some autonomy, some some guidance and, and, and trying to see what they can do and trying to then see where as a company could we do that even better, right? Like I'm sure you know, as, as the team listens to this, they're like, well, yeah, there's, here's 50 things that we need to improve. Okay, cool. Let's, let's go work on that. Right. So I think it's like constant improvement of how we operate, how we execute and, you know, some lofty goals or some, some kind of cool cutting edge, uh, you know, sort of future states that we're aiming for. And then, you know, just, just keep progressing, keep marching towards that. So that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it, you know, kind of all the time. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I think we're, we're reaching the, the, the 30 minute mark of our, of our conversation. And, 
we usually keep these short and sweet. I could probably talk to you for hours and it, it will continue being fun all the way. But um, usually I, I, I leave the conversation by asking my guests to, you know, in your career and as you've progressed from your multiple positions as a developer, as a, a manager, then, you know, uh, climbing that executive ladder, um, if, you know, our community is comprised of CTOs from you know small startups to large Fortune 500s here in OC. Um, what are some valuable pieces of advice that were given to you by your mentors that you believe will be of value to you know the community and even potentially other aspiring CTOs that are kind of you know figuring their own path and you know can learn from you know experienced folks like yourself. Yeah, so you're starting with the easy questions, aren't you? Um, or I should say finishing with the easy questions. So I don't know that I've had tons of, uh, you know, straight up conversations where I can look to like a quote or something. But I, I, I do think what I've been fortunate enough to, to, to experience is the sort of just seeing how people conduct themselves and, and, and operate. And, and, you know, they set the example by just how they, you know, uh, live in their CTO, CEO, whatever kind of role. Uh, I think the first that I really witnessed was um, uh, just just really, really hard work and, um, you know, kind of going above and beyond for your customer or for your deliverable, like kind of not just stopping at what necessarily the, you know, the requirement said, but if, if, if you knew you could do it that much better or you could deliver it earlier or whatever, like you do it. And I had um, just just some amazing people that that set that example for me in the early 2000s around, you know, just kind of just work, like w just just work hard and, and, and like continue to to, to grow. Um, and then sort of if I look more like kind of late 2000s, I think I learned more about the, you know, kind of the soft skills side. Like we're all hardcore technical and love code and stuff, but it's it's really about people. And, 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 and one quote I have heard is like, as you go up the ladder, your API becomes people, not, not actual APIs. Right. Um, and so I think, I think that really stuck with me. Um, and then the third one was really like, how do you start to blend the sort of strategic and future state with the kind of immediate needs and, and kind of execution? Uh, and so I think that really stuck with me too. Right. And, and so um, you know, I'm sure half the people listening could be my mentor. So I feel a little silly saying some of this stuff, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's like, you, you, you know, especially in a CTO role, you're going to do so many different things. Wear so many different hats. I probably wear 17 different hats right now. Um, and so it really starts with like, you have to work hard and try to try to have a, a fast learning curve at all these different things. You have to deal with people all the time. So you have to get good at dealing with people, soft skills, mentorship, coaching, all these other things. And then the third thing is you're constantly thinking about long-term, but you also have like 25 fires right now and deliverables due tomorrow and all these other things. So how do you balance that? And so I think if you consider some of these different areas I talked about, I think those are the things that, that really stuck with me. And I, I was just fortunate to, to observe people who were good at, at, at those kinds of skills or those kinds of situations. That's great. Great input. That's that. I feel like you nailed it. Like all three major areas are definitely there from what I've seen. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I 
guess we're reaching the the end of our conversation, Ben. Uh, you know, times are crazy, and I know finding even a one hour, half or half hour slot can be a little crazy. Fortunately, you and your team have been, you know, very open and cooperative. So, on behalf of the community, I really appreciate you, you know, setting aside time for us to chat and hopefully, you know, bring value to the folks listening to our episode. And um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate our time and had, uh, you know, fun time. Um, and uh, we don't see you on the next one. Yeah. Thank you so much and look forward to grabbing a beer or whatever. Once we can, uh, we can all do that. That I will uh, take you up on for. Cheers, thank you, man. sir. All right. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. With that, we conclude today's episode. Thank you for listening in uh, and stay tuned for uh, more uh, CTO guests from Orange County as we continue uh, uh, bringing thought leadership and insights from our OCCTOs community. See you on the next episode.